Hi there, and welcome to the All About Everest podcast, episode 12, the 2014 Everest disaster. It was one of the worst tragedies on Mount Everest. It happened in the Kumbu Ice Fell, and there were many fatalities. It was something that couldn't necessarily be avoided, but it created some really good conversations and some changes that needed to be made. So let's go. So before we get to this week's podcast episode, I have a special guest. With his name Eli. His name's Eli, and he loves Mount Everest too. So he asked if he could be on the podcast, and I said, what did I say? Yes. So tell me, Eli, what do you know about Mount Everest? Mount Everest has a big mountain, and it's called the Ryan's World Mountain. It's called the Ryan's World Mountain? Yeah, because that's what I named the mountain. Oh, you just named it that? Yeah. Do you know that besides Mount Everest, it has other names? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's also it called... Dino Stripe. I don't think it has Dino Stripes, but it's also no, called... No, I said Dino Stripe because I named it that too. I don't think Mount Everest needs another name. It has a couple other ones. Do you know what they are? Of course. It Sagamasa. names Mount Everest, Mount Helga, and also... Not Mount Helga. Sagarmatha. Sagarmatha and also... Tomalongma. Tomama. Good job. I think your pronunciation's better than mine. And what is... I don't think there's dinosaurs on Mount Everest. There might be some yetis. And also yetis. Yetis too. And what do you think Mount Everest is best known for? Do you remember? Of course. It's best for animals, no animals, and best for yetis and best. The highest what? Highest mountain. And it's bigger than us. It is bigger than us. Eli, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. I appreciate it. High five. Last week I did a full episode of updates for the spring 2022 Everest season. And this episode is going to be about the 2014 Everest disaster on the Kumbu Icefell. But there's a couple updates that I did want to give you because that's what I do at the beginning of each episode. But I forgot to add them to last week's episode. I had also mentioned that this was going to post on Friday, but with my son's surgery and everything else, um... I'm doing it today and then tomorrow you'll have another episode of course as usual on Wednesday and for those of you who asked he's doing well he's five and he's been suffering a huge hearing loss well it turns out it was his tonsils and adenoids 
that were making it so that his ears weren't draining properly. So he got the triple whammy, which was tubes, adenoid removal, and tonsillectomy. And he's a rock star. He's doing really good. And he's in a little bit of pain, but, you know, we're keeping him comfortable. And he's eating lots of ice cream and popsicles. So here's for the updates that I missed. As of today, April 12th, 225 permits have been issued. 50 of them to women, 175 for men, with the most permits issued for Americans. It's definitely a lower number than what we're used to, that's for sure. When you look at the list, you can also see that no permits have been issued for anyone from the Ukraine, and obviously we've known that they won't be climbing anyone who has the potential to climb, has joined the Ukrainian military. Some of them have vol volunteered. Some of them have been drafted. And this brings me to our next topic. A lot of the Ukrainians were pushing for Russians to be banned this year because of what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. You don't often see politics entering the the mountaineering world and especially climbing on Mount Everest but it does happen every once in a while. Lucy Westlake from Naperville, Illinois is a young American climber and at the age of 18 she is attempting to become the youngest wo American woman to summon Mount Everest. So we'll definitely be following her as well and she's heading out this week to Nepal. Like I said, there's a lot of people attempting some records this year, and there are a lot of women that are attempting to break records, which is amazing because women are about one-fourth of the mountaineering world, and they haven't really, there hasn't really been a spotlight on them until probably the 90s. And they're a force to reckon with in the mountaineering world. So I think this is absolutely amazing. I don't have any more Everest updates right now, but I know I will have more in the coming episodes just because the climbing season is just starting. And I'll do another big episode at the end of the uh, climbing season. So expect that probably mid mid may mid may um and now we're going to talk about the 2014 everest disaster and the kumbu ice fall the kumbu ice fall is located on the southern side of mount everest on the nepali side this is the same side that sir edmund hillary and tenzing norgay summited from in 1953 the Kumbu Icefall is essentially a flowing river of big chunks of glacial ice, and it's constantly moving. And some of those bigger chunks of ice are called seracs, and they will often fall. The reason why the Kumbu Icefall is so dangerous is because it, it's constantly moving, creating very deep crevasses 
and the ice itself is very unstable. So what can happen is besides the Cirax falling and avalanches, people can fall into these big, deep cracks in the ice. The other thing too is when there's bridges of ice or snow, they're not necessarily stable and multiple people have died navigating the Kumbu Icefall. It is considered possibly the most dangerous section on Mount Everest and is the most dangerous section to navigate on the southern side of Mount Everest. The Sherpa community has the highest fatality rate in the Kumbu Icefell. And when I talk about Sherpas, it's not necessarily the ethnic group, but anyone who is a high altitude porter or part of that community that is a mountaineering guide or mountain guide. The reason that their fatality rate is so high is because they're the majority of labor on Mount Everest and between 350 to 450 of this community are the ones that go through the Kumbu Icefall each year. And as I had mentioned in a previous episode, the average amount of times that they navigate the Kumbu Icefall in a season is about 30 times. So before the 2014 Everest disaster, there was another smaller one in 1970. In 1970, while they were filming the documentary, The Man Who Skied Down Everest, who featured the Japanese climber Yachiro Mira, who holds, by the way, the record for being the oldest man to summit Mount Everest, six Sherpas died in the Kumbu Ice Fell. The six Sherpas that died in 1970 were going between base camp and camp one. They were killed by an ice avalanche in the Kumbu Icefall. Between 1970 and 2014, other people had died in this section of Mount Everest but it wasn't a huge group of fatalities all at once. There has always been concern regarding the unstable blocks of ice. You know, I mentioned earlier they're called seracs in and above the Kumbu ice fell. And climbers are encouraged to go through the ice fall very, very, very quickly early morning before the sun hits the ice and to be as experienced as possible as they go through. Basically minimize your time and make sure it's cold when you go up. In fact, this section is so dangerous that in 2012, Russell Bryce, who um, owns the guiding company Hymex, he chose to cancel his entire climbing season because of this huge ice rack that was just above the ice fall. 
he was so concerned that it was going to cause an avalanche that he canceled his own, his whole season. And there was a lot of controversy because rumor has it that he did not refund people their money, even though many of them in later years went on expeditions with him. And, you know, that's between him and his climbers. Russell Bryce is extremely experienced, even though he's a little controversial at time. And if you watch the 2014, or if you watch the documentary about the 2014 Everest disaster, Sherpa, which I highly recommend it, and you can find it on Amazon. And also, I believe it's on Tubi right now. Make your own assumptions. You know, Russell Bryce, either you like him or you don't, but none of us really know him unless you're a climber. And he made a judgment call, and I can respect that. One of the biggest things that they have done to make the Kumbu Icefall safer is that they have the team of Icefall Doctors. And the Icefall Doctors are a group of experienced and trained high-altitude climbers, usually from the Sherpa community, who work to fix lines through the ice fall. Um, it can be fixed lines, it can be ladders, things like that. It's a lot better than some of the stuff that they used to use, like logs, um, with the fixed ropes that are anchored in it really has changed how climbers navigate the ice fall and has made it much safer and without the ice fall doctors i think there would be more loss of life than um, if they weren't doing the job that they are hired for and again these are highly trained individuals and I think that this is the most dangerous job in the world. They've been doing this since 1997. Even with the work that these highly trained individuals do, there's still danger. And with the Seracs, it was just a matter of time until something happened. And so in 2014... 16 people were killed. There were a total of 25 climbers in the Kumbu Icefall. The climbers that were caught in the 2014 avalanche had done everything that they could to prevent something from happening. And it was early morning. It was about 645 local time when a huge Serac fell causing an ice avalanche. And when we think of avalanches, normally we think about, well, for me anyway, I think of a whole mountain of snow just tumbling down the mountain, like in that scene from Seven Brides to Seven Brothers. And the ice avalanches are a little bit different. There's huge chunks of ice and they're dislodging snow, but it's, they just keep coming. So of the 25 climbers, nine of them were injured and 16 of them died. They were able to recover 13 bodies, but three of them are still on the mountain.
Besides 2014 being the most fatal day on Mount Everest, it also, like I had mentioned earlier, opened up a lot of conversations. It was thoroughly covered by media, which really highlighted the Sherpa community, as well as the exploitation of the Sherpas on Mount Everest, the safety concerns, and everything else. The media really played a huge part because before 2014, they didn't necessarily highlight the Sherpa community, the Sherpa climbers, and their experience and their achievements. In 2013, there was a brawl on Mount Everest. Not very many people know about it. And again, it's a he said, she said thing. It's something controversial. This is just a normal thing that happens on Mount Everest. Not the brawl, but how there's conflicting information and you find your truth. My opinion is that the Sherpa community, they are exploited. They get paid like $5,000 for an Everest season, which for us seems very minimal. In their community, the average annual income is about $700, give or take. And they do all of this hard work. They risk their lives so that so many people can summit Mount Everest and before they were involved, before they had the porters that were carrying gear up the mountains to up the mountain to the different camps and also guiding these western climbers, not very many people made it to the top. Without them, there wouldn't be as many people summiting Mount Everest and it wouldn't be as commercialized, which Again, there's pros and cons to the commercialization of Mount Everest. To summarize what happened in 2013, there was the group of Sherpas that were fixing ropes between Camp 2 and Camp 3. There was also a group of climbers that were trying to acclimatize. The Sherpas that were fixing the ropes they told the climbers that they needed to wait while they finished their job. According to the Sherpas, they were absolutely disrespected. They were shoved around and treated horribly. And the three climbers basically just disregarded what they were doing and continued on their way with a lot of disrespect and possibly cursing and things like that. And there was a fist fight. I don't know who was right. I don't know who was wrong. Again, I think it's a he said, she said thing, but I'm one of those people that I believe in respecting the work of others and also respecting local communities and cultures. And one of the things that I know about the Sherpa community is that respect goes a really long way. It's a very important thing. I know that 
Westerners don't always have the same opinion and that's unfortunate, but respect goes a long way and it is one of the most important thing, especially with this culture. So in 2014, people were possibly still upset from the brawl that happened in 2013. And after all of these deaths in the ice fall, a lot of the Sherpas got together and they decided that they did not want to be exploited anymore. They wanted more pay. And their government didn't really reimburse them very much if something happened. They do have a life insurance policy, which is about $400 through their government. And that barely covers a burial. For so many of these climbers and porters, they are the main person in their family that provides. So imagine the main breadwinner passing away. It's traumatic, it's horrible, but they provide for whole families much bigger than maybe yours. And they decided as a group that they needed to band together to insist on more pay. And not even that, with so many people from their community dying, they felt that they needed to respect those that had passed away and they wanted the climbing season to end. The Nepali government did increase the life insurance by about $100 at that time, but it still wasn't enough. And so the Sherpas decided that that climbing season would end. And it did on the south side, of course. Tibet, um, they kind of do their own thing. But it really put a spotlight on how important this community is to climbers and how little they are paid. There are so many organizations out there that have been established by Westerners to help support the Sherpas. There's funds for those that are injured or killed while climbing Mount Everest to help out their families. I think that their government should do a little bit more because without them, again, no one would be able to summit Mount Everest or very few people because some people have summited without teams. It's very rare. There haven't been a lot of solo climbers, but with all of the logistics, with everything that they do, I mean, on average, 400 people from the Sherpa community are working on that mountain each year, at least. And I think their government needs to reimburse them a little bit more support them a little bit more because those tourist dollars, they support the whole country. Eventually, the Nepalese government did give the families of the deceased climbers an additional approximately $5,100, but the funds weren't available until December and the climbing season had already been canceled. 
the biggest thing though was that so many of those families could not access the funds because they had to go all the way to Kathmandu and these are impoverished communities they don't necessarily have the funds or the way to get all the way to Kathmandu from where they live they live in these very rural out of the way places so again something needs to change when it comes to those processes hopefully it will in the future um but the nepalese government really needs to make a change one of the biggest things though was the season was canceled and this was in april right well there was a Chinese businesswoman named Wang Jing who summited Mount Everest from the south side on the 23rd of May. And it was extremely controversial and, in my opinion, very disrespectful because the climbing season had been canceled. It was out of respect to the dead. And again, it was to get you know, better compensation because they do so much of the work. Yet this woman decided that she was going to climb Mount Everest anyway. I'm not even sure how it happened, right? Um, maybe it was money changed hands somewhere. Maybe it was she strong armed someone. I don't know. But not only did she climb Mount Everest after the decision, over a month after the decision was made that no one would climb from the south side of Nepal, but she also took a helicopter over the Kumbu ice fell. So she bypassed that whole dangerous section and summited Mount Everest. I think that's cheating. Not only is it cheating because you didn't climb the whole way, but it's kind it, it disgusts me. I mean, what disrespect. What you can't even respect the decision of others who are trying to make a better life for themselves but also those that passed away in a very tragic horrible way i can't believe that someone could do that but again that's my opinion so you can make your own decisions on that the nepalese government has tried to make the kumbu ice fall safer and in 2015, they decided that a new route that would go straight up through the center of the ice fall would be used because it was essentially safer. And this year, there is a team that are attempting to establish a new route that circumvents the ice fall. And we'll be discussing that more at the end of the season to see if they were successful or not. And I mentioned that in the previous episode regarding the updates for this year.
If you are climbing Mount Everest and you're climbing from Nepal, you do have to go through the Kumbu Ice Fell. Hopefully this new route will work out. But in the meantime, um, five safety tips if you're going to go through the Kumbu Ice Fell. Go in when it's still cold in the morning. Do it before the sun is touching the ice and causing it to move faster and become more slippery. Clip yourself in to the fixed lines. Even if you're on the ladder, always be clipped in. Move as fast as you safely can. Try to keep stopping at a very minimum. If you have to stop, stop for the minimum amount of time that you can without slowing other people down and risking your own safety. And let faster climbers go past you. Do make sure that they're clipped in. Too many people fall and die because they're unclipping and then clipping back into the rope. So if they can't safely move past you, it's probably not a good idea. If you're looking for resources about the 2014 Everest disaster, I recommend reading the book, It's Not About the Summit by Ellis Stewart. So he attempted Mount Everest in 2014 and 2015. And obviously he did not succeed either time because 2014 and 2015 the climbing season was canceled because of tragedy and disaster. You should also watch the 1970 film, The Man Who Skied Down Everest, just so you get a feel for how dangerous the icefall can be. And it's just a good documentary anyway. And then you should watch the documentary, Sherpa that came out in 2015 about the 2014 Everest disaster. Watch it with an open mind because again, there's some controversial things in there, but I think it really highlights the Sherpa culture and everything that they do for the mountaineering community because they don't work just on Everest. Many of them work for mountaineering companies all over the world. And I think they should be celebrated, compensated accordingly, and their achievements should be just as important as Westerners. They are often overlooked. I mean, look at the very first Everest summit. Ask people all the time. They'll tell you, oh yeah, Hillary summited. Not very many people necessarily know about Tenzing Norgay and I have mentioned this earlier so I have one more episode and then we should be all caught up and back on track having kids and drama and all of that stuff it happens life gets in the way so the next episode will be a kids episode I think that it would be something that maybe you can enjoy as a family or if you have teenagers or younger children. I like to keep my kids involved in stuff as you can tell from the beginning of this podcast episode and my older girls 
would like to be involved. And I think that they also have different perspectives and maybe they can ignite a passion in some young child to summon Mount Everest or to do big things, right? Because we want our kids to be passionate and we want them to do the untainable and to make the best out of life. So we'll do a kids episode for the next podcast. And then after that, we'll do the 2015 Everest disaster. And we'll be on track back to every Wednesday. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate. This helps it so that I can continue to provide these podcasts for you. And that's it. So we'll see you next week.